Okay, at Bonavista Baptist Church, we have a mission. Have you memorized it yet? That's going to be your challenge, you know. I'm going to ask you every Sunday until someone stands up and is able to say this. Actually, I have it written down still, so I'm kind of cheating. But to invite, encourage, and equip people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. I, I love that it's the language of invitation and not the language of conquest. That's so important. But it also gives us a focus. It says to us that no matter what we do, and we do a lot of things, we have a lot of programs and we have events and we have activities, we have a building to maintain, we have all kinds of stuff going on all the time, but it's all meant to focus in one direction. And that is to encourage people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our purpose. Why? Why is that our purpose? Well, because we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the purpose, and that's why we do it. If we didn't believe that, we might meet for social gatherings. That would be great. We might meet to help people out. That's awesome. But we actually believe that all of those things move together in one direction, and that is so that we can invite others to become fully devoted followers of Jesus and grow in that ourselves. So there's a couple of things I've learned about discipleship, and I'm sure you've learned these things about discipleship if you've just started following Jesus or you've been following Jesus for a thousand days or more. Some of you, many more, right? Uh, but we've learned a couple of things. Here's one thing I've learned. First of all, it's a long journey. It's a long journey, isn't it? As Eugene Peterson reminds us, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's the direction that matters. It's the endurance that matters, right? Along the way, we don't always do it perfectly. We make mistakes, we slip up, but we keep moving in that same direction. That's the long obedience in the same direction. This is a long journey. We need patience, we need endurance in order to do this. But here's the other thing I've learned about discipleship. Discipleship is formed in community. It's formed in community. It's not an individual pursuit. It's not an individual race. Discipleship, becoming like Jesus, is formed in community. Have a look around right now. And this isn't just like you're here in person. I'm asking you actually to, to look around. If you're online, you can imagine all the people sitting here. Have a look around at the different people that are sitting in the sanctuary together. Uh, these people who have come here on purpose and by God's purpose. We're all quite different. We come from different backgrounds, don't we? We have different ideas and ideals. We come maybe from a different country of origin, a different language of origin before we learned English. Uh, perhaps we've even come from different faith backgrounds and different traditions. And we have all kinds of different viewpoints, don't we? We have different viewpoints about the six days of creation, whether it's literal or not. We have different viewpoints about the state of Israel. We have different viewpoints about LGBTQ plus community, don't we? How many other hot button topic, topics can I mention this morning that make you uncomfortable even as I say them? And we have lots of different opinions, but we're here this morning because of Jesus. That's our common denominator. That's what brings us together. And because of that, we are formed in community and we are formed into the image of Jesus even because and perhaps intentionally because of our differences. And as we kind of work that out together on the journey, we're not a homogenous group. 
We're, we're just not. And that's great. And that's important because discipleship is formed in community. So as a community, we've decided on three core values, really, that will help us to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. The first value is this, that we need to develop together a passion for Christ. We do that through worship a lot. We do it by learning more about Jesus, by uh, small group Bible studies and those kind of things. But we want to learn a passion for Christ, don't we? The second great value that we have is a heart for people. We believe this is key for discipleship, that we form a heart for people. And the third is a life of service. And so today we're going to look at having a heart for people because this is essential in becoming more like Jesus. Did Jesus love people? Would you say yes? Amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Jesus loved all kinds of people. He loved them even enough sometimes to correct them. He loved them even enough to call them out. When people were in power and they were abusing their power, he called them out on it, didn't he? He loved people enough to say, you know, you're not condemned, but don't sin anymore. <laughs> he loved people enough to touch them and to be with them. He loved people. He had a heart for people. Even his enemies. There's such a moving portrayal of Jesus as he gathers and looks over Jerusalem. And what does he say? He weeps for Jerusalem. He says, I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Right? That wonderfully sort of feminine idea of God as gathering and being a very mother protector in that way. Right? And so Jesus says this, I long to gather you in this way. I long to, to care for you, and yet you would not. This is what Jesus is. He has a heart for people. And if we're going to become like him, we need to have a heart for people too. Well, how do we do that? We're going to look today at Hebrews. And just a passage in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read it for us in a moment, and then we'll get into it. Uh, the first part of the chapter in Hebrews really talks about all that Jesus has done for us. And he talks about how because of Jesus, everything has changed. That Old Testament ideal, the old covenant, it was actually just a shadow. It was a shadow of things to come. It was just kind of a preview of what we could expect. But then when we come to Jesus, we have the real thing. We don't have to look back at the shadow. We see the actual real thing in Jesus. And that's what Hebrews is saying to us. And so because of Jesus, we have a new hope. Because of Jesus, we have a new and living way. We have a new covenant. We have a new nation. We have a new humanity because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, everything changes. And that's the excitement as we come into Hebrews. And so his theme throughout the, the book of Hebrews is this. Hold fast. Hold on. Hold on tight to this important truth no matter what you face in the future hold on to the fact that Jesus changes everything. Christine and I like to ride our motorbike together. I rode it out here this morning, and uh, we hope to ride this afternoon as the season diminishes and as we get ready to pack it away. As Christine rides on the back of our bike, she's not just a passenger, she's a co-rider. And sometimes as we go off-road a little bit into some gravel, into some dirt, into some kind of gnarly patches, occasionally as we're riding, I can see the road ahead and Christine can't, right? Can you imagine, right, how that feels? For some reason, when I'm driving in the car, Christine gets nervous. But when we're on the bike, 
Christine is as cool as a cucumber. She is so calm. I think it's because she's partly in control. She can actually steer the bike from the back too. But as we go down the road, I can sometimes see the road ahead and she can't. And sometimes I see a really bumpy section coming up and I don't have time to activate our intercom to tell her it's coming. So what do I do? I just tap her leg twice. And when I tap her leg twice, you know what it means? Hold on, because <laughs> it's gonna get rough. It's about to get bumpy. I think that's what Hebrews is setting the early church up for. Uh, Hebrews is our little tap on the leg. Hold on tight, because it's about to get rough. It's good, about to get bumpy for the early church and for us as well. And so Hebrews says, hold on tight to these things. Well, what do we hope to hold on tight to? Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be reading from verse 19 and listening to the things that he wants us to hold on to. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I like to call this passage the salad passage of the Bible. Do you know why? Because there's a lot of lettuce in it, right? Did you read that? I read that every time I heard the word. There's all kinds of lettuce. Let us go right into the presence of God, right? Let us hold tightly to the hope we affirm. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. Let us not neglect our meeting together. It's salad, right? Basically, that's a pastor joke. You can laugh at that later. Let us hold on to all these good things because this is where discipleship happens. It happens in community. This is where we're called to develop a heart for people. It's in community. It's not in isolation. It's not theoretically. It's actually in community and it's essential to our witness. And so the writer gives a number of encouragements and I just wanna list a few of them for you today. First of all, he says, hold on to worship. It's because of Jesus that we have access to God. Because of all that he did, think of his sacrifice. Think of what he went through to give us access for God. And the writer says, take full advantage of it. Take full advantage of all that Jesus has done. Hold on to worship. But then he says, hold on to hope. It's because of Jesus that we have hope. We have hope not just for this life, but the life that is to come. When the, the New Testament talks about hope, usually it talks about the resurrection or the second coming of Jesus. In other words, there's hope for life beyond the grave. There's hope for life beyond the chaos and the injustice of this world. There's hope. Hold on to hope no matter what you face. But here's the point that I want us to get this morning. He also says to us, hold on to community. 
It's because of Jesus that we have one another. Do we realize that? It's because of Jesus that we have one another. And we don't always care for each other perfectly. And sometimes we make mistakes. But all of us sitting in this room, those of us joining online, it's because of Jesus that we have one another, that we have this community. And what did Jesus say to that early community, to his disciples? After Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he said this, A new command I give you, love one another. I have, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How many times does he have to say it, right? Love one another. Love one another. This is the essence of what it means to create a heart for people in this community, that we love one another. So how do we express that love? Two things mentioned in this passage in Hebrew that we can do to show our love for one another. First of all is this, to encourage one another to love and good works. We love each other by encouraging each other to love. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? Continue to encourage each other to love. The word used in Greek is sometimes translated spur one another on to love. I love that word spur. Uh, when about 30 years ago now, I was a youth pastor once upon a time. Uh, we got a hold of this passage and we thought it was so cool. We thought we'd try an experiment at White Rock Baptist Church. We decided to ask the youth to take the church directory and randomly call numbers. And when the person answered on the other end, remember, there's no call display. There's no nothing like that. So people actually answered their phone back then, right? And so call a random number. And when the person answers, just yell into the phone, spur, and hang up. It was a great idea in my mind. Uh, it didn't translate so well into encouraging the congregation. I got a lot of pushback because of that one. But that's actually a little bit closer to what the word means. The word actually means provoke, prod, poke people, get them moving, spur one another on to what? To love. When we see our friends that are posting random nasty things on Facebook, let's spur them in the other direction. Let's spur them on to love, right? When we see people that are just trapped in bitterness and the whole world just seems like a, a bad, nasty place and they're just contributing, let's spur one another on to love. Let's remind each other, even if we have to poke each other every once in a while, we spur one another on to love. This kind of encouragement that comes to keep loving and keep doing good in the world. That's what we're called to do. That's how we express love in community. That's how we develop a heart for people in this place. We spur one another on to love. The other thing that we do that Hebrew says, don't give up meeting together. Stay connected. I know this, this became like the controversial verse during COVID uh, pandemic restrictions, right? What does it actually mean to meet together? And should we obey the government or should we uh, you know, rebel against it and all those kind of things? But all through that time, we stayed connected. And I think that's the heart, the spirit of this passage is to stay connected, stay in community, whether that means still being online with us or coming into the service together. Stay connected. There's an old uh, kind of pastor's tale 
that is often told, a, a sermon illustration. Uh, Christine's dad has this massive filing cabinet that I've moved a few times. It contains all of his sermons, and there's a whole drawer dedicated to sermon illustrations. I know this one is in there. It's about uh, an older pastor, and there's a young man came over to his house, must have been in England, because they had an old coal-style fire, right? All the coals burn in the fire. The young man came in all excited, and he was saying, you know what, pastor? I've discovered I can worship God in nature. I can worship God on my own. I just am having such a great time not being part of the church anymore, because it's really hard being around people that I don't like all the time, right? <laughs> it's so much easier just to do this on my own. And the pastor said, nothing. Instead, he went over, and maybe you know the illustration, and he took with the tongs a coal from the burning fire, and he just set it on the hearth of the fire. And slowly that coal went from red to black to white to ash. And then he went over and he grabbed the coal and he put it back on, and it came back alive again. And the point of the illustration is that, yes, it's hard. It's difficult to stay connected in community. We often rub each other the wrong way. Sometimes we disagree with one another. But this is where the life of the Spirit resides. And we are meant to be together, even so that as iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another in the journey of discipleship. We're meant to stay connected. We're meant to be connected. So how do we develop a heart for people? We do so by spurring one another on, by encouraging each other to love and good works. And we can only really do that if we stay connected to one another in community. So here at Bonavista Baptist Church, as we develop a heart for people, here is the vision that I would like to share with you on this particular point. The vision is this, is that we create a place where everyone is known. That we create a place, a place that's safe enough, a place that's vulnerable enough, a place where everyone can share their story with at least one other person, a place where everyone is known. It's impossible for us to create a place where we know everyone. That's impossible. Once the church reaches, you know, 75 plus, you cannot know everyone in the church. But we can create a place where everyone is known. Do you see the difference? Where people go here and say, someone knows me here. And maybe not everyone's ready to be known in a very deep way. And that's okay too. We have to create space for them to be safe in this place. But when we're ready... We need to be able to share our stories with one another. We need to create a space where everyone is known. This also means, as we think about this, it also means that the senior pastor cannot be the primary caregiver to everyone in the congregation. We understand that, right? Uh, even as we look around here, we're less than 200 people on a Sunday morning during these days, post-COVID restrictions. We have some more people meeting online. But if we look at our database, we have over 500 people that are connected to this church. That means that through day camp and through youth group and through uh, Sunday attendance and through people walking in looking for help, there's a much larger footprint of people that we have. And it's impossible for one person to give care to all those people. And that's why it's absolutely essential that we mobilize, that we engage as a congregation in caring for one another. That's why we have the community care team. And I'm so excited about the community care team this year under leadership with, with Linda Ferguson and Cheryl McNamara and lots of others who are giving care, hands-on care 
to people who are in need. I'm so excited about our welcome team. And if you're looking for a way to serve and care for people, join our welcome team who come out here and provide a welcoming atmosphere as people come through the door. I'm so excited about the coffee team because I like coffee. But also, we have to realize that the people who prepare coffee on Sunday mornings, it's not about the coffee. I mean, if it was just about the coffee, we might sometimes be disappointed, right? But it's about creating this space, creating an opportunity to connect, to be together in proximity so that we can care for one another, so that we can spur one another on, so that we can encourage one another and know our stories and share our stories. That's why we need small group leaders and Pastor Samuel is working to rebuild our whole small group network. That's why we need the Benevolent Committee who give out literally tens of thousands of dollars every year in very quiet ways because it's a highly confidential situation. And we do that to people who come in looking for financial assistance or practical help. They care in that way. That's why we need the missions committee, so that we care for people who are beyond our walls, people who don't actually even show up in these, in these doors and in this building. I could go on and on. Do you get the idea? The idea is that the whole community needs to be mobilized to care so that we create a heart for people in this place. That's the way we live out, fulfill our mission. That's how we create a space where everyone is known. So what's the strategy? coming up this fall and into this year? How do we recapture that? Because I think we've lost touch with that a little bit during COVID times, right? So how do we recapture it? Lunch last week. You know, it wasn't actually about the hot dogs. Some of you enjoyed the hot dogs, but that wasn't the purpose of gathering together. It was actually so that you could be in proximity with one another. Uh, we have the men's and the women's breakfast coming up. We have choir starting up. It's not just about singing. It's about sharing our stories as fellow people on the journey of discipleship, right? Midweek pastor study, youth and young adults. We have a young adults group that meets here on Monday nights, and it's a growing, exciting group of people that gather in this place. Very small groups starting up, the invitation to worship. All of those things are the ways that we're living out this mandate to create a space where everyone is known so that we can develop a heart for people. Here's sort of a final thing that I'll say as we think through this particular topic in part of our mission. I recognize that it's sometimes difficult in these days to develop a heart for people. Let's just be honest. Sometimes I, I go home and I think, ah, I'm just so tired of people. Not you. No, I'm not pointing at anyone. Doug isn't here, so I can't point him out. He's away. Um, but it's, sometimes you, you just see stuff online, or you see stuff in the news, or you see stuff in drivers on the road, and you get home, and it's like, people, I'm just so tired of it. And we have to be careful, because sometimes that can create a hardness in our heart, doesn't it? It creates a, a bitterness. It creates a kind of callousness toward others. Sometimes we see the people standing on the road looking for help. And we're just, we're just so tired of it and we get so frustrated. Well, it looks like he could have a full day's work. He seems pretty healthy to me. And we allow our heart to become hardened toward the needs of the people around us. I'm saying that to myself because I recognize in me that sometimes developing a heart for people is something I need to pray, God, give me a soft heart toward the people around us. I think COVID restrictions taught us a lot of things. One of the things it taught us is to be suspicious of others, 
right? <laughs> Suddenly it turned the whole population into this uh, enforcement team. Look at that guy, he's not wearing a mask. Or look at that person, not wearing a mask properly, or whatever it is. We somehow became suspicious of even our family members, of our neighbors, the people that we loved. We became in competition and, and almost as enemies. And so this need of developing a heart for people more than ever, we need to practice this as a church. This is the practice ground for the whole world. If we can do it here, then we can do it anywhere. We need to love one another and develop a heart for people. But I also want to recognize that as individuals in this room, I know that many of us carry around the wounds of being hurt by others. And whether those wounds are emotional or physical, there's been a betrayal of trust that some people have experienced and is so hard to trust again, isn't it? And so we want to pray for one another. We want to give each other space. We want to encourage one another so that we can trust again. I know that some people have had their names maybe slandered or, or lies told about them. Or sometimes people have believed the lies that have been told about certain people and, and we see our reputations dissolve before us, feeling helpless to do anything about it. So I recognize that this call to trust one another, this call to share our stories is a difficult one and we can't do it on our own. And this is why I'm gonna share the final thought. I said the last one is the final thought. This honestly, typical preacher, right? This is the final thought. This is why forgiveness is the key to creating a community of care. Forgiveness is absolutely essential to creating a community of care and developing a heart for people. In Hebrews, before the author starts talking about the things we need to hold fast to, he reminds us that we have been forgiven. He reminds us, in fact, that God does not hold our past mistakes against us. Isn't that good news? Has anybody made a mistake in the past? God doesn't hold it against you. Your wife might, but God doesn't know. But that's part of love, is that we don't keep record of wrong. We don't keep record of wrong. And so we have to be forgiving to one another. And we have to be wise in that forgiveness and how it plays out. Let's end with Ephesians 4, because this whole theme is not just found in Hebrews, it's found throughout the New Testament. Ephesians 4 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior, and instead, listen to this, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And in this way, we will develop a heart for people as we learn to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, we pause to say that we love you because you first loved us. Thank you that while we were still enemies, while we were still rebellious, you pursued us and you loved us and you gave your son for us. Thank you that you don't uh, hold our sins against us because there are many and you'd have every reason to be angry and upset, and yet your love is so consistent. Father, we want to love in the same way that you've loved us, but we confess that there's days where it's so hard. So we need your spirit to soften our hearts, to give us the power to forgive, and to give us the will to live and love and trust again as we experience community in this place. We ask for your help. 
In Jesus' name, amen.